Now let's begin reading in verse 16. And we see in verse 15 that Pharaoh had hardened his heart after the plague of frogs was over. God does not give him any warning. God does not give him any time. But here's what happens. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in the man and in beast. All the dust of the land become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians, that'll be Janus and Jambres, did so with their enchantments. That word enchantments means by the power of demons to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. The Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth through the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. And I will, here's where I begin to get my text, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division, there it is, it's that word division, between my people and thy people, tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants, Houses and to all the land of Egypt, the land was corrupted by reason of the swarms, our swarm of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. Now I need you to pay attention to that because we're going to talk about that. Pharaoh begins to compromise or to get Moses and the nation of Israel to compromise. And Moses said, It is not meet to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Here's the second compromise only. Ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. That means intercede. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully, any more not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one, and Pharaoh 
Harden his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you. Lord, help us this morning. As we look into the Word of God and deal with this subject on biblical separation, let us spend a little time on it as we learn from the things that have been written aforetime so that we can apply it to our lives. We can be better servants for you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. As I said earlier, we learned last week about the frogs. And Pharaoh wanted another night with the frogs. And we learned that the frogs of sin, they go about to deceive us, to defile us, and at last to destroy us. And then we see that God immediately brings a plague of lice. Now let me give you a little bit about lice that I found out this week. It's a parasite. And when I read that, I begin to think it's, it sucks bloods, what it does. And I was thinking about Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he tells us to lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. And so this lice, or real lice, I'm talking about real lice now, they suck blood, but they transmit diseases. As in epidemic typhus, relapsing fever, trench fever. And I got this according to Science Daily, what they learned in their field work. And by the way, you say, well, head lice can't do that. Because I learned that there was body lice and head lice. Well, Science Daily, when they did their field work, learned that head lice, can turn into body lice. And so if you ever get head lice, the earlier that it's treated, the better. Because those things are nasty, and that's when I begin to itch. And, ugh, I don't like lice. I, I don't like that. But now the Egyptians, they, they bathed often. And what I also found out is the cleaner that you are, the less likely that lice will like you. I didn't say that they wouldn't get on you. They'll just have a harder time. Now, I still would recommend treatment. Remember, years ago in school, they'd come in and do the lice check. And it seems like that the kids that had the lice, they, lice, they never quarantined them. They never, hey, look, you need to quarantine off and... And until you get treated and get better, you know, they, it's just, and they were all the time saying, well, they're, they're not dangerous. They don't, they don't do anything. I got news for you. We might not have had Google in them days. We got her now. <laughs> and I understand you might not want to believe everything you read on Google. That's why I'm giving you my source. You can research that yourself. But anytime I hear fever and typhus and trench fever, I don't want nothing to do with it. Now let's get to the flies. <laughs> flies. You ever go to a family picnic? <laughs> yeah, you ever ever go out there and all of a sudden nobody's really paying attention and there's flies on the food? Don't eat the food. I remember years ago as a uh, young child, when I say young child, I mean about nine, ten, and we were in New Mexico. 
And in Mexico, there was a little something different. We're not used to up here is open air markets. Here we're used to meat in a meat counter, you know, and it's got a USDA stamp on it. And it's, it's clean and, and the, the glass that it's in, you know, it's clean. It looks good. The steak looks good. And I remember walking down through this open air market and I'm watching this family and there's something hanging. Something hanging off a pole and it was black. I'm 10. And I, I see this person, they're, they're saying, well, I, I want some, some of that, that meat. And my dad, he's, he's, he's here with me, and I said, that's meat? Dad said, yeah, that's, that's goat meat. It's a goat. I'm looking at that, but it's black. And I like, in my mind, I'm thinking aged, you know. Maybe it's, you know, I've seen farmers and old time they ate, you know, Aged beef, we, we like it, man, if we can get a hold of an, an aged steak. Yeah, well, it's not really what I was seeing over here in Mexico. He said, all right, and he gets a knife out, and he smacks this goat. I mean, it's dead. It's been skinned. And all of a sudden, the flies come off of it. It, it wasn't the meat. It was the flies that was all over it. They were cutting off steaks and going on. I'm like, ah! My point, <laughs> flies, this plague of flies, and I learned this week that flies would also include mosquitoes. They're part of the fly family. I didn't know that. That would include fruit flies, fungus flies, and house flies. And they transmit food poisoning. You ever get food poisoning from a family picnic? It might not have been from the mayonnaise that was in the potato salad. Might have been because there's flies on it somewhere. And by the way, they tell me that it was more than likely the onions that they put in it. Onions are dangerous. They absorb toxins. Not necessarily mayonnaise, of course. Stick with me when we go open air eating. You'll see I will shy away from the potato salad, especially if it's warm. I'm not going to eat that. I've been sick a time or two. But these flies, they will spread food poisoning, dysentery, tuberculosis, and typhoid fever. Flies. That's why Mama and Papa and Granny and Gramps, they always had them a fly swatter. And they would kill the flies that got in the house, even if you lived on a dairy farm. Because flies are nasty. This is a bad plague. And it was in judgment on their gods. Now enough about flies and lice because we probably won't eat lunch then. And the next time you get a fly in the house, you'll be quick to take care of it. Because you don't want it laying on you while you're sleeping at night with your mouth open. Hopefully nobody has to have therapy now. <laughs> well, what I want to preach you about this morning is found in verse 22 and verse 23. Now that we got a science lesson, learn a little something about lice. They're nasty. And flies, which we knew were nasty. Get down in verse 22 and we're going to learn about the word sever and division which show up for the first time in the Bible in the context of separating God's people 
from Satan's people. Now, I thought this to be an important topic because in the day and age we live in, somebody, something is trying to put everybody together and try to get everybody to work together in ecumenicalism. Well, let's see what Jesus had to say. Here's what Jesus said about separation. In Luke chapter 12, letters in red, Jesus is preaching. And he says, I come to send fire on earth. And what will I if I, it already be kindled? That's right, the moment that Christ was born, the devil got aggravated and began to work to kill him. Remember Herod? Herod was under the control of Satan. I mean, the devil is the god of this world. And there was a fire that was kindled uh, when Satan, during the tribulation, gets kicked out of heaven by Michael and his archangels. He hits this earth with great wrath and he immediately jumps on the nation of Israel. So when Christ come, by the way, in your mind, uh, there was no division in the Bible until the devil showed up in Genesis chapter 3 and said, Yea, hath God said. And so Christ said, because now that there's sin, and now that there's a devil... He said, I come to bring division. God is about separating Christians and saved people from lost people. God, even on the judgment of the nations, He will separate the sheep nations from the goat nations. God is about division. He says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth? I tell you no, or nay, but rather division. You've not heard no TV preachers preach this for a text, have you? This is one of the messages that Jesus preached. Nobody's shoving this on social media and saying, Yeah, God, come to divide. We need to, we need to be divided. Yeah, sheep from goats. Egyptians from Israelites. From henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, and the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. We see that. If you ever wondered how you could have one family raised the same way, but have so much division in that family as the kids grow up. They had the same mommies and daddies. All of a sudden, the kids in the New Age movement, all of a sudden, they're divided against dad and mom. You say, what is that? Well, that's the truth. And the truth divides. And then there's opposition. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is for separation. This Bible starts with separation. There in Genesis chapter 1, about verse 4. I'm going to turn there because I didn't write it down. Let me share with you what Jesus does immediately as He creates this earth and goes into the six days of creation. 
And so anybody tries to tell you that God is not for separation and for di division is definitely peddling the doctrine of a devil. Verse 4, And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. Why do you think we got day and night? Because God didn't want it all night. He divided it. He believes in division. God separates the firmament. Come on down to verse 7. A firmament is a barrier, flat. And He separates the waters that are above from the waters that are below and puts the earth right in the middle of the firmament. All the water from Noah's flood didn't come from the earth. He said he opened the windows of heaven. In those days before the flood, there was water that surrounded the earth. That's why they were living so much longer. It was filtering the harmful rays of the sun out. If you want to blame global warming on anything, blame it on sin. Because before sin showed up, everything was perfect. God separates the waters, from the waters, puts the earth in there. God separates the dry land from the seas in verse 9. Then God said, let the dry land bring forth. We cannot grow spiritually until there has been some separation in our lives. Some people, they get saved, they just can't grow. That's because they don't believe in separation. And in Genesis, the book of first mention. There's nothing that grows on this earth until God separates the dry land, which He defines as earth, from the seas. God does the severing here in our text. He said, I will sever in that day. Our problem is we keep crawling back into Egypt. We get saved, we keep crawling back in Egypt. Matter of fact, today we want to bring Egypt's land into the church. And we think it's okay, and it's not. I can always tell when someone's been in Egypt land. You know how I can tell? Because they got this world's lice on them, and they start getting itchy when they get in church. <laughs> I've heard, it said, I've heard it said like this. I get uncomfortable when I get down there in church with your preaching. That's because they got lice from Egypt. They've been bothered by flies of the Beelzebub. And sometimes i got to have a delousing to get the lice of this world off of you. Our problem is we keep wanting to crawl back into Egypt. When God said, I'm going to sever, I'm going to separate the land of Goshen from the land of Egypt. Now, i got more scripture on this. You just hang on. If you think I'm off my rocker and I've kind of lost my way, preacher, how in the world did you get church separation in this? Let me tell you something. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It all goes together. God never counterdicts. God does not do something different in the Old Testament as He's doing in the New Testament. God wants His children separate from the devil's children. It's the devil that comes in and sows the tares among the wheats. Remember? Wasn't God. It's the devil. The land... Of Egypt, the world, 
Egypt's the type of the world. It has the lice then the flies. That's the parasites, which leads to disease. It weighs you down. Watching Dr. Poe, I like watching him. He's a veterinarian there in Michigan. Sometimes he'll go out on a farm call. He's a large animal vet, small animal too. But I remember this one episode. There's a couple episodes, and the cow's just not acting right. You know, it's lethargic. It's just laying around all the time. And it's no good. And he's looking at it. He's diagnosing it. And, and, and its eyes are white. You know, they're not, they're not red like they should be. So he knows it, its blood is being drained. He's kind of looking. And all of a sudden he says, well, here's your problem. This cow's infested with lice. And the farmer's like, oh, 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 I treat for lice. He said, well, this one's got a weakened immune system. And the lice has got on it, and it's weighing it down so much that now all it can do is lay on the ground. It's going to die. So he gives it a shot, and they put some lice medicine on it. Then in a few days, it'll get up, and it's good. But that's what's going on in the land of Egypt. And as Christians, we got to be careful about playing around in the world because that's where the parasitic sins of lice and disease are we're to lay aside these weights and these sins because they easily beset us so God is for separation but God wants us to be separated and I find two areas here in the text. I almost went crazy. Now, Christopher, you can pull up that next slide. Two areas from this text that we should be separated in. It's right in the text. And that's where we dwell and where we worship. Where we dwell and where we worship. God makes a division between His people and the devil's people. This separation was to protect us from the corruption of lice that was in Egypt. God commands us to honor this division in our lives today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me put New Testament perspective on how God thinks for us, the church. Now, I'm not saying quit your jobs. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't go to the grocery store. We're not saying that. I didn't say isolation. I said separation. There's a difference. Abraham was a separatist. He was not an isolationist. There's a difference. We're to be separatist, not isolationist. Now watch what God says here in 2 Corinthians 6. Verse 14, be ye, he's talking to the church, not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What's he saying? He's saying the same thing he was saying over there in Exodus. That the land of Egypt... Is going to be separated. I'm going to sever it from the land of Goshen. I want my people 
separated from your people. And God's telling us, you need to honor what I have divided. And I don't want you unequally yoking up with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness. Amen. And what concord, that means togetherness, hath Christ with Belial. That's another word for Satan. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? That's right, we're not worshiping with infidels this morning. They can get their own church. This church is for believers. Children of God. God commands us to honor this division in our lives. Another verse you can throw in there is Ephesians chapter 4 because we're going to talk about how we live and then how we worship. So in Ephesians chapter 4, as I lay the groundwork, 4 verse 17. It's a command of God. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. What's he saying? I don't want you living like they live. Now I remember years ago, I'm going to give you an illustration. It's kind of funny. I was in the church service that this happened. Brother Bruce McDowell was actually preaching. I was close with that family. And they had a big singing. It was a church that was growing. There was about 250 people there that morning. And they were having a singing like we're getting ready to have next week. There's a big group. And when the singers were done, it was a big southern gospel group. I cannot remember the name of the group. But there was the Silver Eagle crowd. And the preacher, the pastor, was trying to build it on singing. So he had the big famous group. We're real close to Pigeon Forge, Severaville, Nashville. We could get one of those groups. But I don't. And I'm going, I'm going to t show you, tell you why. Well, when that group was done, they sang their last song that morning. They folded all their instruments up, put them back in their case like you see me. I closed my guitar case because I don't want it to fall by accident. And I'm careful with how much moisture or, 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 or uh, what it gets on it. And they folded everything up. There was a side door that went outside, and they all marched right off. They wasn't, going, they wasn't sticking around for the preaching. And they all, there was windows. And I, I'm a little boy. I'm sitting uh, on this side. It actually happened on that side. I was about third, fourth row back. And they all lit up. They're all down there. They're laughing. They're smoking their cigarettes. Church property. Just singing church supposedly presenting Jesus, and they're out here mocking. And so the preacher gets up, Brother Bruce McDowell, he's evangelist in that day. And he could tell there was an uneasiness in the crowd. And so he says, you know what? Before I read my text and preach, I'm going to pray. And if you didn't come for the preaching, that's what he said, while I'm praying... You can go out so you don't grieve the Holy Spirit because you didn't come for the preaching, you just came for the singing. And he began to pray. But what they didn't know is he prays with his eyes open, as I sometimes do. Because the Bible says, watch and pray. And about 45, 50 people got up immediately and started walking out. 
Because they didn't come for the preaching. They just come for the singing. And their part was done. They had their service. And I remember as plain as day, Brother Bruce said, well, there goes Egypt's land. And boy, it got quiet. He was right. That preacher was trying to include Egypt with their worship. And how he got them to come in was through the singing, but preaching was an abomination to that group because they disagreed with God that God had chose the foolishness of preaching. And instead of letting them sit there and grieve the Holy Spirit, tell them just go on out. And they did. We had a pretty good service after that. That's a problem. God wants us to be separated. And what I'm finding today, if you haven't figured it out, is I'm against contemporary service. We will not have contemporary service here. What that is, is a blend of Egypt worship and God worship trying to put it together to appease the people. It ain't happening because it's not right. It's not biblical. There's no scripture on it. And anytime anybody tries to do it like Ahab and Ahaz, God hates that thing. Now, we want everybody to come in. We want people to come and to see that God is in us of a truth. But the ideal is that they see and they hear because God said, My sheep hear my voice. And they see and they hear. And if they're not saved, they fall down with Holy Spirit conviction and get saved because there's a whole bunch of people that were Egyptians that got saved through that process. And then they join in. But in my lifetime, I've seen people come in and say, well, you know what? You could grow your church if you got the modern day music. Or if you just lighten up a little bit. I say, well, we ain't doing that around here. Why? It's because God is for separation. God is for division. And God wants us to be separated. God has commanded us. And we see that in our text, God separates in two areas, in where we live. We have no business living like the Egyptians of the land. Shacked up, boozed up, drugged up. That's what the Egyptians do. That's what the lost heathen of the land do. And God says, it's wrong. We don't need to do that. We have no business looking like the Egyptians, tattoos, nose piercings, body paint, nakedness. You say, oh, preacher, yeah, it's been a while since I've come down that line, ain't it? It has more to do with Egypt than it has to do with God. Most everybody wants to say, well, preacher, do you have chapter and verse for wanting the, the ladies to look like ladies and the men to look like late men? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you have chapter and verse for your tattoo? For your nose piercing, I've heard some of the teens, they want to pierce their noses. It's wrong. Has more to do with Ishmaelites than God's children. Now, ladies, you can pierce your ears if you want to. But you hang with me because in Exodus 33, because they didn't know how to handle jewelry correctly, God tells them, get your earrings off, get your necklaces off, get your gold off of you, because every time I turn my back, you're making a golden calf and dancing around naked to that thing. 
And that's what I find goes on when people want multiple piercings, nose piercings. What are you, a hog? That's what they put in a snout of a sow to keep her from rooting. Now that's old-fashioned preaching. So boy, I don't like that. Well, every once in a while I get wound up. <laughs> Good old-fashioned biblical separation right here in Exodus chapter 8. You want to know why people don't preach on it? People don't want to talk about it? It's because they won't study their Bible and they won't spend any time with God. God is for separation. There's more verses to tell. You know what, you know what tattoos started with? Marking people. They were marking themselves for the dead. It's false religious. Now, he said, oh, preacher, and such were some of you. God takes all kinds. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. God's going to take you. You want to come to God? You want to be one of the children of God? That's great. You're going to stop that nonsense. And go again and start acting like God's children and start living like God's children should live. We have no business acting like the Egyptians. Wild parties, wild friends, looseness. Anything goes as long as it's fun. If it ain't fun, I don't want nothing to do with it. That's why a lot of people don't come to church. It ain't fun. This preaching, this kind of preaching, it is fun to God's people. But not to the devil's crowd. They don't like it. The devil does not like being exposed. But then, we're to be separated in where we worship. It's right there in the text. Pharaoh compromises, look, just go ahead and sacrifice your God in the land. Moses... says we can't do that and he pulls it out right there in the text he says some of the animals that we're going to use in sacrifice that God has commanded us to use in our sacrifice would be an abomination in your eyes to kill them and sacrifice them because the Egyptians were worshiping them that's why you got large sums of people coming into churches old-time old-fashioned churches say oh you're offensive that kind of preaching's offensive you need to lighten up all oh, that kind of music why are you still singing out of the songbooks because they're doctrinally right right and they're scripturally right and biblically he says singing to yourselves in songs and hymns hymns and spiritual songs. The devil's crew, the world's crew, doesn't like it. And he says it's an abomination. We can't worship with you. Now, let me tell you, let me give this to you on lice and fleas. Satan wants to pollute our surrender to God on how we live. He's all the time wanting you to compromise what you know to be scripturally right with a little bit of worldliness, and it's a lice, it's a louse in your life that's going to begin to weigh you down. And it's going to pollute your surrender to God. It'll also pollute your service to God. I don't want our service to God to be polluted. If it was wrong a hundred years ago, it's still wrong. 
If it was right a hundred years ago, it's still right. You say, well, that's old-fashioned. It was the way that worked. It's what built this nation. It's what led one of the greatest revivals known to man was the old-time preaching. There's not been a major revival like it was in the days of Moody, Jonathan Edwards. You need to find out why. We're not closer to God. We're farther away from God. How we worship matters, according to verse 25 in our text. Where we worship matters. Moses told Pharaoh, Pharaoh wanted the devil, Pharaoh's the type of Satan, wanted to compromise on where they worshiped. That's why we're not worshiping in a satanic temple this morning, folks. Where we worship matters. How we worship matters. And we're going to learn about that as we preach our way through Exodus. How we worship matters. People want to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. The Bible's full of how it matters. God killed a bunch of them just for simply putting the wrong kind of fire on an altar. Remember Nadab and Abihu? God said they put strange fire on that altar. You want to know what they were doing? They took man-made fire. The fire that was on the altar there, God had put it there. Remember the first offering that they offered? God struck that with a bolt of lightning, some fire, and it was lit. And he said, now you keep that lit. Don't ever let it go out. They let it go out. They wanted to have a praise service. So Nadab and Abihu, he said, they put strange fire. They didn't use God's fire. They manufactured their own fire, put it on there. And God said, that ain't happening, boys. You don't put your spin on my worship. Wow. See, there's so much we can learn in the Old Testament about what we're supposed to be doing today. You say, well, the Old Testament is Old Testament. I'm glad you're a dispensationalist. I've got you part of the way there to being a Bible believer. Amen. That's why I've been careful to use New Testament Scripture also because Jesus was preaching the same thing. The only message people want to know about Jesus is when he said, judge not. And then they don't listen to the rest of the message. Moses told Pharaoh that how God's children worship is an abomination to the Egyptians. That's right. No smoke. No laser lights. No dancing. No, no boombox. Dancing. That's the world's worship. If you want dinner and a show, Cerverville and Pigeon Ford's full of that stuff. But not in the house of God. You say, well, it works. Just because something works doesn't mean it's right. God says to obey is better than the sacrifice. And to be honest with you, at 52 years old, Egypt's land's never done nothing for God or for the ministry of God. 
But they sure do want to run around with you in the wilderness after God destroys them eating your manna. How we worship God has never been about making the world happy or our worship is about making God happy. Nobody ever considers that when it comes to church and why we do it the way we do it. It's because as your pastor, I know what makes God happy. And that's what we're going to do. That's why I don't want to drag Egypt in. Oh, we can double in size. In a matter of a few weeks, we get the Silver Eagle crowd in. But I got news for you. I'm not going to mix Egypt with God's people because God's already said, I'm going to sever it. I'm going to divide it. Now, here's what I find really amazing in my closing. Everyone of the Israelites, there was not one Israelite, and there was a million and a half of them, had no problems. Everybody's on the same page. Nobody crawled over into the land of Goshen or out of the land of Goshen into Egypt. You want to know why? Everybody was sick of being a slave to Pharaoh. Everybody was sick. They had been crying out to God that God were tired of being enslaved to this tyrant Pharaoh in Egypt. You promised us, you promised our father a land in Canaan. And there was not one person that crawled over in the land of Egypt for some leeks and garlics. But today, we can't seem to get God's children on the same page. You want to know why? They're all not sick of Egypt. They, what they've done is said, well, lice is okay. Head lice is not bad for you, but it's body lice. I got news for you. Head lice turn into body lice, left untreated. It's not good. Well, it's all right then. I just got a couple. Do you understand? I think it's in 10 days. They multiply. They double. In 30 days, you can have a bad infestation. Little sins lead to big sins. The lice that the devil has in Egypt, we don't need any part of. And the flies that devour and give you food poisoning and typhus and all those other diseases. That's why God's people are sick. They keep crawling out of Goshen to go take in a dinner and a show. Because they're not sick of Egypt yet. Now that's a problem. They're not sick of serving Satan yet. Now we're going to find, you hang with me, coming through Exodus, the nation of Israel had a plan B, and it keeps popping up. They keep wanting to get rid of their pastor, which was Moses, and go back into Egypt when the going got a little rough. We'll preach on that when we get there, but today, Biblical separation. We need to have separation in our dwellings, how we live, and in our worship. It's that important. It matters to God. 
say, well, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, high cholesterol really doesn't matter to me either <laughs> until I begin to have a problem with it. But it matters to my doctor. Tetanus doesn't really matter to me either, but it mattered to my doctor because when I went in for a checkup, I got one. Whether I wanted it or not, I thought I could talk my way out of it. Generally, I can. Not Angel. She just kind of looked and grinned. You want to know why? That's true caring for a patient. A lot of times the patient doesn't know what it needs. What it, I don't like needles. If I can take a pill, I will. Give me the pill. No. Sometimes what we need is not what we want. And so to justify it in our minds, we say, well, that individual doesn't love me. Well, true love, true caring is, well, you need this because in the long run, it's good for you. And that's what God's saying. Look, we need to keep the lice infestation down. Stay out of Egypt. Don't blend the worship. Man, preacher, you're pretty narrow. Well, I just know if when we go to two services a day, one of them will not be a contemporary service. Because we're not blending Egypt worship style with God's worship style. Now, there's some churches that have multiple services a day because they don't have enough room. But every service is traditional. It's biblical. You say, oh, I don't like that old-fashioned stuff. Then this morning, you need to get to the altar and ask God why you feel that way. There's a problem. There's a lice problem in your life. And you don't think it's a problem, but it is sucking life out of you. And you need to be deloused. Let's all stand this morning.